0: you would please open your Bibles with me to the book of First John. Father, I ask for your wisdom as I minister your word today. I recognize and understand that it is a great privilege, but it is also a great responsibility. And Lord, the words that you desire for us to hear, I pray that they will not go in one ear and out the other, but rather that they would settle deep within our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal to us the things that you want us to see. That you would give me your wisdom to be able to communicate your word clearly. In Jesus' name. One of the things that I love so much about my God is that He loves me. There are a lot of different things that He asks me to do, and there are things that He asks me not to do. But if my God did not love me, then all I would be doing is simply trying to fulfill a list of rules and regulations. And by that, trying to somehow earn his approval. But because God loves me, I know that everything he asks me to do is always in my best interest. That God is not interested in robbing from me the ability to have pleasure or to have fun. But rather, he wants me to be able to live a life uh, that will not have the consequences of sin and disobedience. And so when he lays out some rules for me, they are always rules with purpose and with intention. For us who have children, we tell our children certain things that we expect of them. Sometimes they may not understand why those rules are there. But the reality is, is that any good parent is going to lay down rules for the good of their children. And when they do, they do so, hopefully, out of love, and care for their children because they want what is best for them. So I'm here in Springfield. I have not yet fully moved in. I'm living in a place that the Lord wonderfully provided for us for uh, about a month of transition. We're closing on our house, hopefully this coming week, and uh, settling in. It's nothing not totally new to me because I grew up on the mission field for Uh, The first 12 years of my life, we were never in a place more than about six months. When we traveled through the United States, we had two motorhomes and were always on the road, been to almost all of the 50 states growing up, just going from place to place, sharing the good news about Jesus. But it is a privilege to be sent by the Lord to be here with you. And I say sent by the Lord because... I did not look for this opportunity. The Lord came looking for me. Because if the Lord had not come looking for me, I will tell you honestly, I would not be here today. But it's a privilege for my family and I to be here with you because I know from the way that I've seen that God works that he has specific plans. And I always want to be on board with what God wants done, right? Right? That's always the best. So we're here in Springfield. And as over the period of time, as I've been mulling over, what God, what is your purpose and plan in detail for this city and how you want us, Christian Life Center, to reach this city? I believe the foundation is what I'm going to share with you today. And this is really critical because... All the things that you see and the, uh, uh, around you and this church property and the building and all the, the wonderful work that has gone into making this a very beautiful place for us to sit and worship in, this place is here to serve us so that we can serve the Lord. This is not the end result. We we're not to come in here and go, oh, look, this is wonderful, and then I just hope it gets better, and, and all of our focus is here. Because when that's the case, If that's the only thing we focus on, we're missing the mission. Over the years, God has placed pastors in leadership at Christian Life Center. And I want to tell you this morning that as I began this role of responsibility of shepherding you, we're on the same mission. Just the different phase. Different phase, same mission. And that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with every living, breathing being that we can. To see their hearts come into the kingdom of God and then to see them grow and share the good news with others. God has called us to be on mission. So often in our lives we have so much going on. We have work that we have to do. We care for our families and in the midst of everything that's going on, in all fairness, I I think it is right to say that it's hard to stay focused on the mission. Not that we don't want to forget it, but it just happens that way. I find myself at times saying, God, help me to remain focused because I'm being pulled by a thousand voices in all kinds of directions. And when God has given you a task, it's very important that we fulfill that task. I believe that God has given you a task, not generally as Christian Life Center, but you specifically. Now, I don't know all your names yet, but I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to get it with God's help. But God knows every one of you by name. The scripture tells us in Psalm 139 that he knows when you sit down, he knows when you stand up, he knows when you leave your house, and when you come home, he knows everything about you. And the reason that God knows everything about us is because he takes the time to concern himself with us. He is concerned about every detail of our lives. God is not a rigid taskmaster that is in heaven looking down, seeing every opportunity he can get to discipline us. But rather, he only disciplines us out of love. What he really wants is he wants us to have a relationship with him where we enjoy being in his presence. Now, there are some people you enjoy being in their presence a little more than others. But I believe that God wants such a relationship with us that we delight to be in his presence. What has happened sometimes in our lives is that the enemy has spoon-fed us lies, oftentimes with simple, what might seem to be reasonable questions. Well, if God really loves you, then, I mean, what kind of a loving God would allow you to go through that? Are you kidding me? You're telling me God loves you and you're going through that? And the enemy is going to tell you things To twist the character of your God. He wants you to come to the conclusion somehow that God does not indeed have your best interest in mind. But rather he has some plan to use you to do what he wants to do. And in the end he really doesn't care about you. That's what the enemy wants you to think. But I'm here to tell you from the word of God... That God loves you and he loves every part of you. In fact, the scripture tells us in 1 John, it says this in chapter 4, verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Whenever the enemy tempts you with a doubt to question the character of your God, you need to be ready with the Word of God to fight back. Because if you don't have an answer, that doubt lingers there until you deal with it. You know how it is. Sometimes it can take days. You're like, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if God really is good. You know, yeah, I really have been. I have even been praying and. Boy, he didn't answer that prayer as quick as I thought it. We began to think about, oh, maybe God is not as good as I thought he was. But God loves people more than anything else. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's God's heart. And he demonstrated it in action instead of simply saying it with his mouth. So whenever you have a doubt about the love of God, not to even, um, even to, to take outside the consideration of all the awesome things he has done for you over your life. Uh, but the truth is, is that God sent his one and only son for every single person in this world. So that we could know that God went out of his way to initiate a relationship with us while we were still sinners. Some of you deal with those sinners on a regular basis. And it's a problem. Because they're sinners. They don't know God. So at the present time, they're lying. They're stealing. uh, They're gossiping. They're doing all these things because they don't know God. And God wants to change their life. He didn't just want to change yours. Praise God he changed yours. But he didn't just want to change yours. He wanted to change the lives of everyone who is willing. And how's God going to do that? He's going to do that through us. God wants to mobilize every single one of us in this city To share the character of our God with people who at this very moment believe God could care less about them. May we never give them an excuse to see as evidence that God doesn't care about them. Our lives of not caring about them. In other words, God has chosen to reflect his character through you and me. He's the head, we're the body parts. And it's so important that we recognize that God wants to use us as his hands and his feet. If We look at someone, and even in our prayer time, sometimes this can happen. But we pray for someone and we, we pray for them as if God is somehow going to do something that is going to take care of the problem that doesn't involve us at all. But more often than not, God is going to speak to you and he's going to say, well, okay, now there's a need. So what are you going to do about it? Oh, me? No, Lord, you, you, you're sovereign, you're powerful, you're capable. Oh, God, holy in heaven, would you please fix this problem? And God looks down, well, I need some help. Would you be willing to help me? But sometimes we as his people say no. We may not say it with our lips, but literally what we do is we find something else to focus our attention on so that our conscience can be kind of put at bay so we don't have to look at the problem anymore and feel like we've got to do something about it. Springfield will only be won to Christ through men and women who are willing to say, God, here I am, and I'm willing to get busy about your business. But people are only going to listen to us when they recognize that we are reflecting the character of our Father who loves people. It all starts with loving people. And loving someone is not just simply going to them and saying, I love you. That's a good start. But it has to be followed up with action. Just as God followed up with action when he sent his son to come into this earth and to die for us, not when we were running after him saying, oh God, would you make a way of salvation for us, but rather while we were still sinners. And that's the way God wants us to treat people. Have you ever dealt with someone very difficult and like, as soon as they come to me and they're apologetic, they're like, I'm so sorry, then I'll talk to them again. And sometime in our flesh, we're tempted to deal with people that way. But that's not how God deals with us. He initiates relationships that we never initiate with him. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that. Now, if that's the character of our father, what do you think he expects of us? That means he expects you to go out of your way to demonstrate the love of God to other people when they don't deserve it. And when people don't deserve your love, and very few do, and you give it to them anyways, what you are doing is saying, as much as it's hard for me to do, I want to demonstrate to you that my God is good. He's forgiven me of a lot. And so I'm willing to forgive you. But if we don't do that, the world is not going to see a representation of our Father. The love of God is not reflected on a billboard somewhere, but rather it is in us. We are living letters. Isn't it so much nicer to receive something firsthand? You know, nowadays, everything is so quick in communication. You can send a text and email and all this stuff. Before you had to write letters and things like that. But now you can just send such quick communication. But there are times, I don't know about you, but I just... I just like opening the mail and getting something in my mailbox, you know, that was written and taking the time. Just just to know that someone took the extra time and didn't go through that. There's stuff, great stuff in texts and all that. But just some things, you just want to have that extra time. God wants us to take the extra time to demonstrate his love to his people. Because if we do, then we are going to be able to see the love of God reflected from this church. Now, we're in a great position. A lot of people drive by this place. But better than the people driving by the place and say, oh, there's a a church, maybe I'll go there. That's okay, that's good, it's good placement. But that's not what's going to draw the people into this church. What's going to draw people to God is his character that they see that we love people. And so how do we demonstrate the love of God? Well, it starts with words, but it, got, it has to go beyond that. We must, first of all, you and I have to turn our love towards God. This world is calling for our attention all over the place. More than ever now, you could sit, literally get home from work, you could watch movies, TVs, update yourself on the internet, news, all this kind of stuff, and and you could do that till you go to bed. There's so much information out there that you could just flood your mind with. But I wanna caution you on that, and there's nothing wrong with some of that stuff. But be very careful, because the good at times is the enemy of the best. And what happens is, is you can flood yourself with information that is really not critical for what God's mission for you is. See, um, and some things you don't need to know. It's just the reality. I mean, yes, you be able to get some information here and there from the news. But it, you don't need to be updated on every last-minute detail to be able to fulfill the life that God has for you. And so sometimes those things can end up being a distraction from what is your mission. What has God called you to do to start making the news instead of just hearing the news. And that can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in 1 John chapter 2, it says this, Verse 15, Do not love this world, nor the things that, is, that it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now, how do, we, how do we love the world? Well, you love the world when you pay so much attention to what the world has to offer. The next verse goes on to say, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. But these are not from the Father, but they're from the world. Now, the scripture also tells us that God has given us richly all things to enjoy. But we are supposed to use the possessions, the things that God gives us in such a way, recognizing that they're only going to be here for a little while. Your house is only going to be here for a little while. Your car, whatever you have. The day will come when that is going to be totally back to dirt again. But you and I, God has set eternity in our hearts. And though this body may go to the grave, our soul remains forever. It's very important that we recognize where we're investing our time, where we're investing our treasure, and where we're putting our focus. The world offers a lot of things that are fun and exciting for a short period of time. In fact, the scripture tells us that the pleasures of sin do last for a season. But the problem is, is that the cost of that sin, the price tag, is never visually in front of that sin. Say, now, if you do this, the consequences are going to be X number of years of pain and suffering. You're going to feel guilty. You're go- the enemy's going to have a heyday with you. The devil won't tell you any of that. All he'll say is it'll feel good for a little while. When we love the world, we're grabbing something temporary. But when we reject the world and we love God, what we're doing is we're receiving something eternal in place of the temporal. And oh, the peace that comes with walking a walk with God that rejects the temporary pleasures. Now, I said it earlier, God is not a God who is here to take away our pleasure and our fun. The scripture says that at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God's got good stuff in store for us. The devil sometimes offers that same stuff, but at the wrong time and in the wrong way. He's a terrible copycat. But when we say, I'm going to obey God, I'm going to hold off on that pleasure until I do it God's way. I'm going to hold off on doing it my way. You, As you live out your life, the peace of God will rule and reign in you. And what a difference that makes. Verse 17 of chapter 2, 1 John, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What an awesome promise that God has given to us. So it has to start with not loving the world. And then you and I now need to take the next step of demonstrating our love for God. The scripture tells us that those who are forgiven much love much. The problem comes sometimes that we don't recognize how much we've needed to be forgiven of. Now when you look at that scripture and it says those who have been forgiven much love much. You say well I've never been in deep sin I've never gone out and killed anybody. I've never been in adultery or this or that. And you could list a list of all the things that you think are like really bad sins. You think, well, if you're forgiven of those, then you must really be a person of great love, according to the scripture. I'd like us to look at it from a different perspective this morning. The scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus When he laid out the the rules, he said, you know, it's not just a matter of what you do, but it's also a matter of what you think of doing. It starts in the heart. So sometimes we can say, well, I never actually got to that point. God says, well, in your heart, you are already there. So back to the scripture, those who are forgiven much, love much. The truth is, is every man and woman in this room, has been forgiven for much. It's whether or not you are willing to recognize that. When you and I recognize that we've been forgiven for much, all of a sudden our attitude changes. God, you would forgive me for that. Well then, this person who just stole from me, God, I recognize that I've stolen from you. So if If I have been forgiven for that, then certainly I should forgive. Your ability to live out the character of Christ... ...comes from your understanding of what Christ has done for you. Because if you don't think that God really needed to forgive you for a whole lot... ...it's very easy for us to become religious in our relationship with people... ...and think, well, if you were only as good as me then you'd experience the presence of God more. But it's quite the opposite. It's those who recognize their desperate need for God that experience the presence of God because God gives grace to the humble, but he despises the proud. And when we begin to think of ourselves as better than others, there's a pride that comes in, and the grace of God will have nothing to do with that. But when you humble yourself before God and you say, God, I recognize that no matter what sin I've done, It has grieved you. And I want to live a life that honors and pleases you. It's that time when the Spirit of God can come in and help you to prepare to be useful to reach the person next to you that is going through a similar thing that you've been through. God's grace is sufficient. He wants you to be not only a receiver of grace, but a giver of grace. And when you give grace to others, you get it back. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Jesus said also that those who give mercy will receive mercy. He even went so far to say that those that don't forgive others will themselves not be forgiven. God takes this very seriously. We need to demonstrate the character of our God we are a part of a wonderful body of Christ. This body of Christ is something that God is working on until the day he comes back. He says in his word that he wants us to be a bride without spot or wrinkle or anything like that. And so that process can sometimes be difficult. But that process of taking out the iron and ironing out the wrinkles... Of getting out the spot remover the stain remover and getting out those stains may be difficult on us but it produces something beautiful in our lives if the Spirit of God is working on you on an issue and it feels uncomfortable let the Spirit of God keep working on it say God I know this is an uncomfortable area but I surrender to you and as you do God is preparing you individually but also this entire church body Because God's heart is that we work together as a team to be able to reach out to Springfield, Massachusetts and see many people come to Christ. That will happen when we reflect his character. Because we can have all the right words to say. We can be trained and there's various evangelism training packages that you can do. You could have all the right words to say when you come up to your neighbor and you tell them about Jesus and have this response for this this question and all these kinds of things. And, And that's good for you to be trained in that. But I want to tell you that that is not enough. Because if we do not demonstrate the love of Christ, those words are empty words. People will see right through those words. And they will not see genuine heart of love if we aren't living that out. So if we want to see people come to Christ, yes, there's room for that training. And you're going to be trained with the help of the Lord to be able to know the word of God. But you've also got to have your character in order. The Apostle Paul said, woe to me if I preach to others and myself be a castaway. There are people who have affected the lives of thousands of people and then have turned their back on God. And it's a sad thing. That's why you and I have to be steadfast. And we have to be faithful. Don't love the world. Don't love the things of the world. And when you make that choice, you make room for God. And when his Holy Spirit comes in, his Holy Spirit will give you the love to be able to demonstrate to the lost. The next point that I want to make is very important that you and I realize that the love that we are able to share is a love that does not come from within us, but rather it's a love that comes from the Spirit of God. You see, you don't work it up. You can't work it up enough. For those of you who have been in intense moments, you know you can't work it up enough because there are times where you feel like It's too much for you to handle. But there is a supernatural love from our Heavenly Father that when we open our hearts to Him and say, God, I'm at the end of what I can do. I need your help. The Spirit of God puts within you a love that goes beyond what you're capable of. And when you begin to allow the Spirit of God to work in you, then the fruit of the Spirit comes out of you. Fruit is not something you manufacture. Fruit is something the Spirit manufactures. We have to be careful that we keep that in order because if we think we are the manufacturer of fruit, we take the credit for the love. Oh, I'm a really loving person. I did such and th- I did this and that and I did this and da, da, da. I'm a loving person. The truth is, is that every one of our hearts, the scripture says, is wicked, and who can truly understand our hearts? See, only the Spirit of God can bring real love and transform our hearts. I can't even love you as your pastor without the Spirit of the Lord because it's His love that changes me so that I can deal with things, be patient, not speak too quickly, not be quick to get angry. Uh, All of these things come from the Spirit of God. So you and I have to be in tune with the Spirit of God to be able to allow His love To flow through us. It says in chapter 4 of 1 John. Verse 11. Actually let's go back to verse 10. This is real love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice. To take away our sins. Note that. Note how that's worded. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So we learn from how he has loved us. Dear friends, verse 11 says, Since God loved us that much, we ought surely to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit As proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. And all who confess that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love. And see, that's why the enemy tries so hard to erode the character of God in your heart and in your mind. Because if you can begin to doubt the love of God, everything else will begin to crumble. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus, here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Okay, so this is a wonderful opportunity God gives us because he tells us to love the people in the world. Not the world, but the people in the world so that they can see Christ's love in us. But it all starts in the classroom right here. Now, the early church had a little different church setup than we do because we have so busy, our lives are so busy. We go to our jobs and we meet together every now and then. We get together on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And, um, and then apart from that, sometimes we may not really be in communication too much. But God intended for us to be a family together. And he intended for us to love one another. If we're gonna love the people out in the world that are difficult to deal with sometimes, we've gotta start here and love one another. Uh, as that sheet is going around for signups for people to be able to bring meals to um, to Mark and the kids and as B goes through this challenge. By the way, I understand that Mark also had had a back surgery and so he's dealing with the challenge and which is one of the reasons why we wanna provide meals for the family because he's not able to do a whole lot. So. This is one of the ways that we love one another. I'm just getting in, so I'm just kind of finding out some of these things where we can help one another. But I want to encourage and challenge each one of you. It doesn't need to be directed from the church office. Each of you, as you see needs, go out of your way to respond as the Holy Spirit directs you. Now, you can't do everything. and I'm not expecting that. But what I am expecting is when the Spirit of God says to you, hey, you're skilled in mowing lawns, and someone is sick and their lawn needs to be mowed, how about going over and volunteering and mowing their lawn? You know, something like that, that idea. That's really in our day what washing of feet is. Now we don't we don't wash feet anymore in the sense of reality because we're not walking on dusty paths wearing sandals. So if Jesus were here today, he probably wouldn't wash feet, he'd do something else he do something to meet a need to show that he was there to serve. So how can we do that? So God has given through his Holy Spirit, and this is what the scripture says, every single one of us gifts according to as, as how he sees fit. So the way that you demonstrate love is you take the gift that God has given you and you put it to practice for the glory of God. Don't allow it to be dormant. That's why the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift that was put in, in you by the laying on of hands. In other words, do something so that you can keep that gift active for the glory of God. I'm grateful for every one of you. I'm still getting to know you. But all those who help out around this church, I thank you and I thank God for you. But I want to tell you, every single person in this church should be active for the glory of God. That's right. Somehow, some way, should be serving the Lord in some capacity. Whether you're on your knees in your house praying for someone or whatever, every person who is a member of Christian Life Center should be active for the glory of God. At least every part of my body is active for me. And if one of my body parts doesn't start, is not working, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. So we need to make sure that we understand our responsibility for this body that we care for one another. So that's where the training is. We care for one another. So you, you, you make a meal for someone else, you do this, and then God may say to you, you know, three doors down, there's a person who doesn't know me, that they, they might even be antagonistic against God. The Apostle Paul was at one time, you know. And, um, and maybe like Ananias, when the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I want you to go pray for Paul, maybe the Spirit of the Lord will tell you, and I want you to go down and maybe, maybe speak to this person or deliver them something. And if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, God's going to use you to reach out to people that don't even know him. They're not a part, they're not a member of Christian Life Center. They're not even a member of the family of God. They're lost and they're on their road to destruction. But because of your obedience, God is going to draw them and say, no one's ever done that for me. Tell me more about yourself. What would make you go out of your way to do something like that for me? And then you don't take credit for it. Never take credit for anything that God is doing. You simply say, well, God sent me over. He did, huh? Yes, he did. And all of a sudden, you've turned the conversation to where it really matters. Because you're demonstrating the character of your dad. I'm my father's son. I'm my father's daughter. I act this way because he taught me how to act. It's not because, oh, I'm a good person. I have a lot of love in my heart. I have, no, you simply reflect your father. That's all you have to do. Then when the pressure comes on, you don't have to worry about anything. The problem with pride is, is it blows us up in a way that we can't sustain it. But when we're humble, you can't get any lower. So You, you can't fall anywhere. You're already on the ground. That's the great thing about humility. It's like, yep, that's me. I'm here before God. If it weren't for God, I wouldn't even be here. And we just if, if we walk humble like that, there's, you, won't fall, you have nowhere to fall. But when we walk proud before God, that's when he, the scripture actually says he opposes the proud. In other words, the visual there is that God stands in front of you and says, no, 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 no you're not moving because I'm standing in your way. But when we humble ourselves, God says, All right, we're walking together now. My prayer for our church is that we will be a body of believers united together in love that will be so practiced on each other that it'll happen like by accident that you're just in the grocery store and you start treating people with the love of God and you weren't even expecting to do it. That's a good sign. But that can't happen if everything we're doing all the time is about me, me, me. Then it's like a little odd. Then you're like, oh, I have to do something for somebody else? Well, it's what you get used to. And what you get used to is what you do starting as a habit, little by little. So I have an assignment for you this week. I want you in your prayer time with God, and every single one of you should have one, yes. your private prayer time. When you're talking to God, I want you to ask him, God, who do you want me to demonstrate your love to in a practical way this week? Simple request. How? I, I can't answer that particularly, but God is going to speak to you. And he's going to show you how. It may, be, it may take you five minutes to do what God asks you to do. It may take you five hours. I don't know. But what I challenge you with is be obedient to the spirit of God. Because if you are faithful with the assignment God gives you, he'll give you another one. But if you never do what he asks you, how can he give you another one? So it's really important that we be faithful. That's why Jesus said when he was in the temple and his parents came looking for him, he said, didn't you know that I need to be about my father's business? Wouldn't it be great if all of us had that attitude? So just want to remind you, your job does not own you. I want to remind you that you're on this earth with a purpose, and that's not simply to make money, and eat food, and do the things you might enjoy doing, although all those are gifts from God, but that's not why you're here, because it's a whole lot better in heaven, and if you've already got saved, I, I've said it often this time, it'd be kind of cool if immediately after a person got saved, there was a rapture, like mini raptures, you know, like you give your heart to Christ, and poof, you're gone, you're like, God just takes you to heaven, that'd be really cool, like, why deal with all this stuff, you know, just, Live in heaven. It's a lot nicer up there, I'm told. But it doesn't happen that way. Why? Because there's work to be done. That's right. Jesus said work while it's still day. Why? Because the night is coming when no one can work. That's right. What's the kind of work that we're supposed to do? People said to Jesus, what kind, of, what kind of thing do you want me to do for you, God? Jesus said, your work is to believe in me. And your belief in God is simple obedience. If you believe him, you'll obey him. If you don't believe him, then you're going to do what you want to do anyways. But God did not call us to simply do religious ritual. So God has called us to come together as a church body on Sunday morning to mobilize. So when you leave these doors, you're out on a mission. I saw a sign out there. I love it. It says you're entering the mission field. I hope every one of you believe that. Because it's true. You are entering a mission field. The question is, what are you doing in that field? What are you doing? Are you doing your own stuff only? Or are you saying, God, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to honor you in my job. I'm going to do my very best. But I want to take every opportunity to brag on you. And when you do, you're going to see people get excited about God. Why? Because God is someone to be excited about. God's not a boring God. He didn't intend for us just to come and sit and, you know, be religious or whatever. He didn't intend that. You look at Jesus. He was active, always doing stuff for the glory of God. So what are we doing? Let's do it for the glory of God. When you're working, the scripture says you're not working for anybody except for the Lord. But we do not work as unto men, but as unto the Lord. Because of him we will receive our reward. When you get to heaven, you're going to hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And the reason you're going to hear that is not because necessarily that you were in church every Sunday but it's going to be because you did what your father told you to do. The truth is that we can get comfortable in our our schedule, in our routine, and sometimes the good can be the enemy of the best. And I challenge you, let God be the priority in your life so that whatever you do this week, you ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do to demonstrate your love to someone? this week. Start with your church family. You've got plenty of people right here. Some of you know many in this church. That's that's the easy part. Give someone a call that you know is going through something. Hey, I'd love to pray with you. Can I take five minutes? Pray. Great. Simple. The hard part is now you're dealing with people you don't know, that don't care about God. That's where you really kind of get into spiritual warfare. So we'll deal with that later. But right now, I really challenge you start with the easy part. Start loving on one another more and more. I, I believe you are. I believe you already are, but I just want to encourage you to do it more, more, so we can, we can become a united church so that when one member, member of the body suffers, we all suffer, and when one member rejoices, we all rejoice, and that's God's heart for us, and, be, and when we do that, then we're going to be able to reach this city for the glory of God. There are people that are hurting. We hear about crime you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not as knowledgeable about this area yet, but I'm learning. You hear about things, bad things happening, all this stuff. So many of those people are simply crying out for help. And sometimes when we're outside that, we look in and go, oh, bad people, bad people. And what about us? Are we, quote, good people? No. We are simply people that needed the same Savior. And when we recognize that, that's where humility comes in. And then we as a church, I'm gonna tell you this right now, with God's help, and I don't, I don't know all the details yet, but we're gonna go get them yes. for the glory of God. Because why? God would go yeah. get them. But we can't just go get them in a practical sense, like go pick right. them up. You've gotta get them with the love of God. Yes. Show them that yes. you care. It doesn't do any good for a person to walk into this church and just sit in a chair and sit through a service. That's great. And the Spirit of God can do stuff here. But it's got to go beyond Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whatever else we do here. Would you join me now in just closing your heart in with God? I'm going to ask if the worship team, I don't know if you expected this or not. If you could just come on back for a moment, please. You just play something softly for just a moment. I never take for granted that because you're in church, that your name is written in the book of life. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I've never made that decision to ask Jesus to come into my heart. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to me or any one of us in this room. you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I want to make that choice to follow Jesus, to surrender my heart to him. I want to experience the genuine love of God. If that's you. Would you simply raise your hand right where you are in this room today? I would like to pray with you. I see your hand. God sees your hand. Is there anyone else here this morning? God sees your hand, I never rush past this. This is one of the most important parts of the service. It's why Jesus came. Is there... your hand, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me, but I'm going to ask the entire church to join with me in this prayer. There's nothing magical about these words, but it's a simple statement from your heart to simply say, God, I surrender. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that our names are written in the book of life, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. So right where you are as you... uh, you pray this prayer, know that God is listening. Church family, would you please join me in repeating after me as we pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, I acknowledge today today that I am a sinner in in need of a Savior. Please forgive me. Please wash my heart clean and make me a brand new person. Please write my name in the book of life and fill me with your Holy Spirit I choose from this day forward to honor you by living a life in obedience to your word in Jesus name